This is episode seven of The Flying Sign. We are almost two months deep on this. I couldn't be happier. I'm, I'm super excited that this is continuing to progress. It's not just uh, some crackpot dream that's uh, that that blossomed into nothing. It's it's staying strong, and that is thanks to you, the listeners out there. And I, I've been thinking a lot about gratitude uh, and what that means. And I, you know, uh, something that I've been doing on this podcast is the little little monologue at the beginning. And I don't want to come off preachy, but uh, I just like to share what's going on with me. So I just recently signed on my very first house, and it's exciting. And I feel good about it. And it's going to be a great place for my family and and friends. And and it's just right in the heart of uh, Fountain Square in Indianapolis. And uh, we talked a little bit about it on this this podcast episode. Uh, But I'm I'm just feeling very thankful for everything that's going on in my life and, and with this podcast. And I caught myself... I, I'm able to see the amount of listens and plays uh, for each episode, and I remember on one of the earlier episodes, I, I saw it hit a certain number, and I was pumped. I was so excited. I was like, oh man, so many people are listening to this. And then a couple episodes ago, I hit that same number, and I'm like, can I get more? How, how do I do this? And I caught myself doing that, and it, it bothered me. Uh, because I'm starting to treat this thing as something that I didn't want it to be. I don't want to treat it as a number or or likes uh, or anything like that. It's each one of those numbers represents you out there listening right now, whether it's in your bed, car, work, whatever it is, you're listening to it and it's hopefully making you feel something. Uh, it's making somebody feel something because people are continuing to listen whether he pisses you off or makes you happy or sad or, or, or something, uh, that's what each of those numbers is meaning to me now. Uh, so I appreciate it. And, and, and again, not to keep berating you with requests, but if it does make you feel something, uh, please, please share it. Uh, get the word out and uh, or not. Just keep listening. I'm totally cool with that too. So uh, your plays are important to me and I... I value everything uh, that you're doing for me. So thank you. Uh, That is my way of expressing gratitude. Uh, So today I have something new on the podcast. Uh, And by new, I mean a a different kind of guest. And by different kind of guest, I mean Sarah Johnston. Uh, She, how she is different than guest passes, I I have never met her before we sat down. we met in person for the first time, exchanged a few words, and I set the mics up, and, and we kind of went at it, and it was so natural and fun, and we did it in this uh, abandoned ice factory um, on the west side of town, and it was just so cool to be in there and, and do this, and we did an impromptu photo shoot at the end, and uh, be sure and listen for that. You know, go to go to my Instagram, check out some of the pictures that she took of me, and it was just fun, and it's a very fun and exciting conversation. So she titled it, Everyone Has a Butthole. Now, before you get all weird about it, just give it a chance and 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 see 
just listen and hear what that actually means to this conversation. Uh, because you do have a butthole, and so do I, whether you want to believe it or not. Everyone around us does, and it's something that I think we try and forget. And so, anyways, just listen. Uh, this is Sarah Johnson and the episode she titled, Everyone Has a Butthole. So I don't know if you, no, you don't know this. You are the first person to sit down for this that I didn't know prior. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, hello, friend. Yeah, well, hello. <laughs> right? and we, we barely even talked before we sat down. But as we were sitting down, you made a comment about those earrings. Oh, yeah. What was that about? Yeah. So I'm wearing currently this pair of earrings that I found inside of a shoe um, at a thrift store. And they are little wooden discs with uh, hand-painted lavender blossoms on them, but they hurt like hell. And I was saying that I understand why all of our moms in the 80s and 90s were just terrible and annoyed with us all the time. It's because their ears hurt yeah, terribly. Yeah, because it's constantly pulling on them. Yeah. Well, and I, like I paused you and wanted to get this part <laughs> on. So as a... Uh, how old was I? Like five or six. I can remember with my brothers and my cousins, we were at, you know, with my mom and right. her sister. And I can't exactly remember what the song was, but they dressed me up in this purple dress, Ew. lipstick, big old clip on earrings like that, big purple hat. And mm-hmm. I can't remember what song they had me lip sync to. It had to be like Diana Ross or oh something God. like that. I hope so. So I they, they got me into the drag at a, at a very early age. So. I appreciate that. <laughs> so describe to me uh, where we're at. I know the mics are picking up a little bit of an echo here, so yeah. it's different than what what people have heard in the past. So right. kind of walk us through what we got. Um, so we are at the Ice House, uh, part of Irvington Ice and Coal on the east side of Indianapolis. It um, We are right along a railroad track, as you saw outside. Um, this place was built in the late 1800s, and it basically they would pack large blocks of ice in hay and they would bring them in on the railroad and they'd uh scoot them inside and you see that crane up there yeah from my understanding in ice houses how it worked is they would lift it and they would drop it they'd pull it back on that little like what is that word just a rail a rail a rail they would pull the ice back and they would drop it and people would either bust it up further to make it smaller or they would repack it and they would put it on the rail car to go back to other cities or they would uh, bring it outside where those gates are to the other side and pack it in ice on horse-drawn buggies and okay. deliver it around the downtown Indianapolis Very area. Very cool. Yeah, so it's it's pretty cool, but it sat abandoned for a really long time and was almost, um, I want to say it was like almost condemned or something like that. Like they were going to tear it down basically. Huh. And my friend Michelle and her business partner David swooped in and they were like, hmm, not today. Yeah, thank God. Like just, right? just seeing the... Like the old, she described this old piano over here that's been a one family piano made in New York. I think, what did she say? 18 something, late 1800s. And it just has a vibe to it now. Like it's still so, um, what's the word? Has a little crunch to it, but it has all this like things that you wouldn't see in a giant old ice factory. Like you got your velvet red ropes, a number of. Nice looking colored furniture, this beautiful piano. And now she was explaining these clouds that are set up here. And yeah. 
in in uh, Jack the Ripper theme, I think. Yes, down, a yes. Little masquerade down mm-hmm. the road. So there's um, this is like one of the uh, it's one of the most haunted places in America. Like H. Oh. H. Holmes, his last house where he buried the little boy in the basement, is like three streets over. I did a photo shoot in it. They've there was a big seance held here in the late seventies. In this in this building here. No, just oh. on the east side somewhere. Oh, okay. And apparently, it just opened a wormhole. And this place Whoa. is, yeah, like our Masonic Lounge downtown or Lodge, lodge. not Lounge, yeah. <laughs> Masonic Lounge. I'm sure lounge, they lounge there. Right? Um, lodge. It's uh, Masonic Lodge number 666. Really? Yeah, this place is ridiculously haunted. So they do an Irvington Halloween Festival. It's the longest running Halloween festival like in the, in the United States, I guess. And um, they do it every year, and they do a masquerade ball here the weekend before that is just insane and giant and popping. And probably a little spooky. Oh, yeah. It's super spooky. So was there, with all the, you know, tacky ghost hunters Mm -hmm. and shit, all the shows out there, I'm sure this has gotten some press being one of the most haunted areas and... Yeah, a lot of people have come through. There's like a cool book written. They do Halloween tours. If you're around Halloween, you should definitely go on of one because it's super yeah. fun. But, I had no um, idea. Yeah, they, uh, I guess a lot of things in Irvington have to be like kind of hush-hush because it's such a close-knit community. It's like Portland, but on the east side of Indianapolis. Gotcha. It's, it's a weird place. But like National Geographic was in the yard of that H.H. Holmes house like a month after I took pictures there. And everyone was on the Facebook neighbors page, like they're digging up bones, Whoa. blah blah. Yeah. So it's there's a lot that goes on in this. It's just a little pocket, like it's not really even a town. It's just so by your Portland statement, it's just kind of a, a hidden secret that the, yeah. that the people that live here right. don't want to get out. Right, and it's starting to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what's happening with all the Indianapolis neighborhoods. Right. Yeah, I mean that. It like Fountain Square. Yeah. We just just signed on a house today, and like we're. I feel like that area is kind of like a, I mean, it's been well known, but like it's, it's popping. Right. You know, and, and that's it. The secret's out yeah, and the, a lot of people know it. The weird thing about Indianapolis that I'm from like a very small town in South Carolina. Okay. And like it, we had to take coolers to the grocery store. We lived so far out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, wow. And so like I moved here. And everyone's like, oh, the north side, the south is so far away. It's like it's a 20-minute ride on the interstate everywhere. But when you get downtown, we have these little, they're almost like boroughs. Like we have Broad Ripple, mm -hmm. we have Fountain Square, we have Irvington. We have nothing on the west side because that's just factories and dirt. Like, oh, racing. There's some racing over there. (laughs) We'll say, once you get past the speedway, there's Uh literally nothing to the west of Indianapolis. But it's... It's starting to get cool. Like people are starting to embrace those little outer neighborhoods, like even in the three and a half years I've lived here. But it's still this city where like every three roads, it's terrifying. Like yeah, out of nowhere, it'll just be scary. Well, that's kind of where it's what it's like up where we're renting now. Well, it's a little more north, but you can have a $400,000 house and right next door a $40,000 yeah. house. It's like, wh- How? what? is happening here yeah so i i don't know i mean what's the is it gentrification yeah is that yeah so like i'm sure that's not good uh for the people that are currently there now and that have been there for a while but it's like what happens then to you got to wonder what's going to happen to the the suburbs right because that's where i mean that's where i grew up suburbs of indianapolis and um you got to wonder like 
is it just going to push out a little of that? I hate saying scary because like people aren't scary, but they, no, you know, no, no. there can be. It's, it's when like all of a sudden you'll go from like, I live on the old North side okay, and you'll be walking and it's like, oh my God, these are mansions. Like these are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then literally the next street over, like houses are condemned and streetlights don't work. So it's, it's just, that's what like, right. By scary, I mean just nonsensically declined. Right, looks like something out of a uh, Mad Max movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like there's there's one street. Oh, I don't know what it is. It's over by the uh, Children's Museum, where there's literally mansions and the street behind it. There was I think I counted like thirteen or fourteen houses that are just completely boarded up. Like they're beautiful architecturally, but. They've just let them turn into nothing. For now. Somebody's yeah. going to pick those up God, here soon. I hope so. I'm sure they will. And like that's the that's the thing about those neighborhoods that someone caught on and started right. the trend of house flipping wasn't a thing, you know, 15, right. even maybe even 10 years ago, at least that I recognized. And like that's there's so much beauty in those older homes with oh, the yeah. higher ceilings and the framing that like. The suburbs, and I've heard it coined, uh, the vinyl villages, oh, you yeah. know, and, and like you lose a lot of that because it's just Absolutely. the cookie cutter homes. And I, I'm glad there is that trend, but I do feel for the people that have been in that. Right. And now it's just like, well, we can't afford this because right. then what replaces the Dollar Generals are the craft b- breweries, yeah, you know, and right. that's kind of out of the picture for some mm-hmm. people. So... I don't know. It's interesting. So I'm curious in five years what all of this will look like, even oh, yeah. in this area. Absolutely. You know? Like and the I, uh, the houses around here, um, one of my really good friends and clients, they purchased their house, I think like six or eight years ago. And she said their house is quadrupled in value just sitting. Like they bought it for relatively nothing in a foreclosure. And now they could sell their house for well over four times what wow, like is that just crazy. just sitting that's like crazy they haven't really done anything it's oh, just that's amazing yeah, well that that it? makes me feel hopeful yep, after right? my life i just signed away so let's uh let's move on from yes, home sorry no you're fine no you're fine uh so you are a photographer i am a and photographer. you are you said north carolina or south south, carolina. south oh geez, unfortunately I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. uh well i meant sorry that i said is there like a what what's the is there like a rivalry within the states there? No, like a- more than anything, the rivalry exists like within states just oh. because people like SEC football runs everyone's lives. So nothing matters outside of your state. Unless Were you it's into like that a, life? Or? I mean, like you kind of have to be right. growing up. Yeah. And so, I mean, not by choice, but by mere association, I was all into it to which one what was the team oh the Gamecocks okay that's I see I, I thought that was Arkansas <laughs> I, I don't know anything I, I'm so bad with sports and like I have I do like con- construction work and so I gotta do the bullshit of oh did you see the right. Cavaliers and it's like yep I it's did. just like <laughs> yeah just mumble 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 until like I can just phase my way out and mm-hmm. I've been doing that since I was a kid like all my <laughs> friends are sports guys and I'm just like yeah, Michael Jordan, you yeah, know, and just cool. <laughs> yeah, hoping it hoping it sticks. But so anyway, so you were there. Yes. Uh, then how did you end up in this neck of the woods? Uh, so funny story. From birth to age twelve, um, I'm I come from a family that is like very, they're all Pentecostal. Like 
don't wear pants, don't wear makeup, don't cut your hair Pentecostal. So, like, y'all can't see me, but I have purple hair. And I have a girl tattooed on me with armpit hair, like, along with armpit hair and stuff. So, like, I'm a little bit of black sheep. And now, is that is that just a style choice, or does that have a tinge of rebellion backing it a little bit? The thing is about rebellion when you grow up in a Pentecostal family is it's not rebellion. It's literally just existing in anything that is opposite of that. Right. Like anything that is not like a long braid and a jean skirt is a slap on the wrist. Wow. So anything, anything semi-mainstream. Oh, anything. Is just. Yeah. You're. Yeah. So how do, so then how, how do you find your exit out of that? I'm sure it wasn't easy. No, it, um, so from birth to 12, I lived and grew up in a very small town called Batesburg, Leesville, South Carolina. Like, it's crap. It's the worst. And we vacationed every year in poor people's Disneyland, Dollywood, oh, Pigeon gotcha. Forge, okay. every year from birth to 12. Uh-huh. And then we moved there. So it was essentially my family of four leaving this little pocket of bullshit, basically, that was my family back in South Carolina. And uh, we lived there until I was, I lived there until I was 18. And within that time, it was a lot of like, we still went to church every time the doors were open and stuff. But I started, when I was 16, I started responding every time people would be like, blah, 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 Jesus, blah, 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 Jesus, which was like every 10 minutes in the South. My favorite line was Jesus, the historical figure, because that line alone will make any christian's head just explode because like jesus the historical figure was a very different dude than western religion has made him out to be and i was real into jesus the historical figure like he was he was a down ass dude so that's like a term yeah that is either was that coined then somewhere it's just like the, the clarification of yeah you know yeah the the magical man in the sky yeah, sky Jesus. daddy okay <laughs> sky daddy sky daddy <laughs> okay yeah. sky daddy versus the historical figure right because okay. that's i mean christians aren't who jesus would be hanging out with if he was around but they like to throw his name around yeah yeah so um it was it was kind of a slow moving away from like i'm not, I'm not gonna go to church with you guys anymore like do your thing my dad tried my first paycheck ever making me tithe from it and i was like mm, mm. probably not gonna yeah. happen right <laughs> so it was a slow move and then i moved to la for a year oh wow yeah okay. and so that was i th- like no one from my family's ever done anything like that so they were just kind of like okay sarah just so you're what, different what, we'll push you well what pushed you out to well or pulled you uh, yeah. out to la um i was going to do the whole uh like alec i had an agent and i was oh, gonna okay. do the acting thing wow. and i just hated it out there really yeah it's just a the, different the people? world is it the people or just the uh, business kind of the it, like the area is beautiful like it's my favorite place i've ever lived uh-huh. geographically but everyone operates like like they want to have their own reality television show. It is strange. Hmm. And it just was not the place. Like I, I was a live-in nanny and like they would have swingers parties. Wow. And I would watch all the neighborhood kids in this big garage thing. And it was just like, oh. oh what am just, I doing? Right. And like I'm all about like you do you, let your freak flag fly. Right. But like. It was just, it's just, it's a different world. Well, I'm sure w- there's a lot of culture shock associated with oh, that. Yeah. Like whether you were on board or not, that's all you knew. Yeah. 
in South Carolina, and <laughs> then you come to where there's swinger parties right. with, you know, with the neighborhood kid, and you watch the neighborhood kids. Yeah. Like that's, that's a stretch. Yeah. So. so it was, it just wasn't the place for me. So I moved back to Tennessee, and I worked in a uh, small craft whiskey distillery, okay. and my now fiance and his girl best friend came in one night, and um, he started hitting on me, and she started pushing it. And like, I have no, they didn't think they needed to clarify because they have been best friends since they were young. Okay, so they weren't dating. They were best friends then, they're best friends now. Yeah, but like when you come in as two people from out of state, a boy and a girl together, and the dude starts hitting on me and the girl starts pushing it, like all I can think is like, they want to take me to their hotel room and do terrible things to me and then kill me and like leave me in a bathtub. Oh, you went that route. Oh yeah, I've I've watched a lot of Criminal Minds. I see. (laughs) So like worst case scenario, So I, like, I was like, oh, I have a boyfriend and blah, blah. And they were like, at least take a picture with us uh-huh. on it. We'll be Instagram friends. Right. And four months later, I lived in Indianapolis. Like with him? Yep. Okay. So I'm assuming then there was a lot of yeah. direct messaging and right. you started. Okay. Yep. So do you kind of wish you would have gone back just to see what uh, they had in mind or? Oh, uh, some, we've even talked about that. We've been like, if we like, if I went out with you guys that night, we probably like wouldn't have ended up together. Like he Maybe. called his best friend or got back and was talking to his best friend and was talking to his best friend that he was there with. He was like, I'm going to marry that girl. Whoa. And I walked home and called my best friend who at the time lived in Texas. And I was like, I think I'm at the guy I'm going to marry. Like this is, I just have this like weird feeling. That's crazy. That yeah. night, you even being like creeped out that they'd murder yep. you. Like it was still like. Man, he could be a murderer, but right. he might be my husband. Exactly. One day. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Well, that's great. So yeah. so that's then you're here, yep. and then then how did you get into this world of photography? Um, so I always did it, like, as a kid, and uh, my parents have just rolls and rolls and rolls of film that they developed that I took. And then um, I, when I was, like, a sophomore-ish in high school, I realized... Well, a lot of the seniors, like in the back of my yearbook, all of their photos are photos I took and their, their parents are paying me to do this. Like maybe I'm, maybe I'm good at this. So I always like, I had a camera in my hand all the time, whether it was like I had a little Pentax DSLR that just lived at the bottom of my purse, like the worst place for a professional camera. Right, right. But I was in 10th grade and I just took pictures of everything all the time and, um, once I moved here, I really started like buckling down and kind of finding my groove. What is your groove? So by crew, by groove, do you mean your preferred subject matter? Kind of. For, for a really long time, uh, photos weren't. So to backtrack, I am a candid natural light photographer, but my photo style is like photojournalistic like I talk to people the whole time I'm taking their pictures very cool okay. and I like I do not pose you one bit I hate that shit mm-hmm. I am an anti-photographer in a sense um and it wasn't cool to take pictures that like people are moving or like someone's heads down and they're smiling and someone else is like making a joke like that wasn't the thing And I, I like had a really, I had a good camera and I purposefully chose the camera I have, which is like less than, I guess, because it captures movement 
And that's my favorite thing. Like if someone is smiling and their hands are blurry because someone's like throwing their arms up above their head from behind, that's my favorite thing to see because okay. that's an actual like tangible moment. Right. And that's not what people want. So I try to emulate film as much as I can because of the movement aspect. And but just that one second rather than... Yeah. I feel like, yeah, you're right. That would capture... Literal the moment. Because if I see something blurry i'm like god damn it i got you know that was a wasted picture but if that's a good point like if your arms going up and you can still see your face enough it's like yeah there's more than a moment exactly it's a movement it's a it's a thought it's tangible yeah that's a good point and you have it forever Hmm. so that it took me a long time to be like no you know what like if people don't like that just go to a different photographer like i'm not my feelings aren't hurt if our job if our styles don't jive it's not a big deal so that i think accepting like what i actually wanted to give people with my eye um was basically just what i wanted and that people would come to me and beyond that i created my own um presets so i built um, the way my photos look, I have like, uh, like 14 different variations of different film, like, uh, presets, presets, and like sizes. They, um, it's basically just a filter essentially, oh, Okay. but, um, there, I took a lot of, I looked at a lot of film photographs and looked at like what the coloring looked like and what, what the grain was okay. and like the vignetting and that sort of stuff. So. I found my groove. Yeah. Cool. So it's, so the groove is though, mostly people yeah, in just, just, just moment yeah do you ever do any landscapey nature kind of deal or you just just kind of stick with the human element not really anymore like yeah. I um I used to a lot especially when I lived in the Smoky Mountains but oh yeah now yeah now more than anything even then I was like I'd love to take pictures of this river but you know it would make it cooler like if we went on a really foggy day and I had somebody naked in the oh, river yeah. like Very that cool. would be okay. tight to do so I feel like I can always and it's it's definitely like a once I found my groove thing I realized like this came to me easier it's you can just put a whole picture together in your brain ahead of time for hmm. people which is kind of really cool well being so close to the city like we are mm-hmm. that that opens up I mean, it's not nature, but there is the the architectural oh, yeah. part of it with just uh, pedestrians, right? You know, that adds that and like that gets your motion involved right. with that, and it gets their uh, uh, innocence, I guess, to yeah. where because I I've, there's something that happens, and I'm sure you know this, and I've started to learn it with doing this thing that once you know it's live, or once you know someone's about to take your picture. You lose yourself. Yeah, you authenticity. Be, yeah, it's gone. It's gone, and like I don't know. And that's why I think the the candid and mm-hmm. kind of the work that you're doing is uh, it preserves that the best it can. Like right. if people are are paying you to have their picture taken, they're still gonna know you're there. It's not right. like you're invisible. Yeah, but. I, I try th- to be. <laughs> I, yeah, and I feel like you would have to, but it's still like, and like this, like we're trying to be as casual as possible, but there's still something, uh, there's an observer, the observer right. re- effect, and I, it's real, and it's it's kind of strange, and, yeah. and it's hard to find people that uh, can get over it. Oh, yeah. You know, in, in a way that doesn't, doesn't jeopardize content, right. but doesn't... Uh, they don't ham it up, right? You know, yeah. Which I feel like happens a lot too. People either get awkward or they 
try and have yeah. their California moment to where yep. they want to act and try and get discovered or, you know, whatever right. it is. And it's, it's just kind of it's bizarre. Yeah. They, um, so my, one of my favorite things to do is bring alcohol okay. to photo shoots because like boudoir, for example, uh-huh. people are always nervous about getting naked. And the best example I can give you is I photographed, um, a girl I used to sing with in high school. We're really good friends. And, uh, she went down like a really weird path, like had a husband that was bad to her and, uh, her partner she's with now, like the same thing happened with his ex-wife. So they're together now. They're wonderful. They're this big, beautiful, blended family. And he was all nervous to get pictures done because he had never had professional pictures done, I guess. And he was real quiet and real shy, real reserved. And by the end of it, he was like, you know what, Tori, I do want, I want to go to their wedding. Like she's really cool. And he loved the pictures. And the next time I went home, it was like a month and a half, two months later, I was doing those milk bath mini sessions. And I happened to post that I would be interested in doing couples boudoir. And he called Tori and was like, we're doing it. And she was like, what? You didn't even want to take pictures. Now you want to like flop your dick out for this girl. (laughs) Yeah. So I rented an Airbnb and, uh, they were like, is it cool with you if like the whole first half of our session is just us like smoking and rolling joints and like hanging out? And I was like, that would literally make me so, so cool. happy. Cause that's it's exactly you what you want. Yeah. Right. That's like, that's, that's you too. That's how you are. Right. And I am all about that. Like, oh, that's so cool. Right. Just, I, I want, that's my biggest thing is I don't want to remember my life as like I went to Target Photo Studios and I put my hand on a block and my chin right. to my hand and like someone was like, well, to the left, look down, look up. Like that's not, that's not life Mm-mm. at all. I'm really into doing, um, um, they're called lifestyle sessions where you go into someone's house and they basically like, my best friend Elise started out as my client. I did an in-house session of her and her husband and um, I just basically went in and I was like, what do you do together in a day? Make each other tea. I'll take pictures of it. Sit on your couch and he'll play guitar and you'll read a book and your dogs will be in it. And that's what I want people to remember is what they actually like, what their lives were actually like. Right. And photographers don't do that. That's like a big no, no. Why, why is that? Why is it Beca- frowned upon? Because for so long it's been the pose. We want to be posed. We want like last year I was doing mini sessions in Ellenberger Park right over here and I had um two kids standing like five feet in front of their parents and one was like sitting on the head of the other one like laughing and the parents were standing like four feet behind them like looking at each other and laughing and that's what I was taking pictures of and I shit you not 30 feet behind me up against a big oak tree was a family of like 12 in blue jeans and white shirts, mm. all that, of them. That that thing. That sums yeah. it up. And I, I guarantee you that photographer was charging them like four times what I charge my people and giving them like a fraction of the photos. Right. That's just that's And then that just that cookie cutter. Yeah. How many? Yeah. Every big family, I think, has that stereotypical. Jeans. Yeah. Or Always just jeans. or the rainbow or like, you know, just the guys yeah. wear green, the girls. Wear, uh-huh. Ugh. Yep. Yep. I, I, I noticed that too, that there is this shift. I feel like people see the 
the corniness in oh, that yeah. now. Like there's God, there's pages so. all over the place for like awkward family yeah. photos, and like now the whole uh, the pose is kind of mocked right. almost to where the candid thing. Like I I have a few pictures like printed that I actually cherish. That like if I either do it on my phone or the camera that Joe has, like it'll. I, I will print it because there's something about having a teacher, right. but the, the ones that I have are, like you said, the candid ones. Yeah. Those are the ones that are just so much more precious. Right. And yeah, you're right. I don't know why anyone would pay for anything different. Yeah. You have no idea how many times I, um, I take pictures of a family and I'll be, I'll be like, okay, I think we got it. And they're like, excuse me. We, we, what? Right. Like you, we don't have, like, what are you talking about? And I'll, my big thing is, and I always give people pictures within 24 hours because like most photographers would be like, mm, give me four or five months. Like, right. That's ridiculous. I love editing them because when you, when you capture people candidly, you don't even know what you got. So after I put my kid to bed, I get a beer and I sit down and I go through, like I take like 2000 pictures. Wow. Cause I just constantly, I'm snapping constantly and you have no idea how many times like Elise, for example my best friend mm -hmm. she um was just blown away at the fact she said I didn't ever know how much you could tell I loved him just in my face when I looked at him wow that's powerful right and it like I was like holy shit like that I've I've found like what I'm supposed to yeah. like they're going to look at that pic. They're, they're great grandkids who never meet them are going to look at that picture and be like, God damn it. They were in love. Right. Was that your moment where you're kind like, of. this is my calling? Yeah. Like, ah, oh, that would just be such a warming moment yeah. to hear that. From that made me else. feel like I had really like nailed me because again, it's not something, it's not something people want. Right. That it's not something they know they want. I'll put it that way. Until they see it. Yeah. Until you have a moment like that where you're like, you captured it. You captured something that isn't tangible and made it tangible. Wow. Wow, that's a... That's pretty that's a, deep. That, that is pretty deep. That's intense. Well, something maybe not as deep, or at least to me, I'm curious on... You mentioned earlier about the nudity. Because oh, yeah. I did go through a lot of your stuff just to, just to see. Right. And like it did... It shocked me for a second, you know, when it, uh, at like the, the nudity part of it. And like, how do you, or how did you get to the point to where it like, like, does it phase you or is it, how, how do you keep them calm? Cause I mean, it's right. That's intimate and yeah. like, it's awkward and, um, I don't know. How do you, how do you deal with that? There's, um, so I'm a big proponent of like, everybody has a butthole. Okay, it's, you're right. It's, everybody has one. You're right. We all have the same. Parts. We want to. We want to pretend we don't. Though. Right, right. You wanna. You don't want to think about it. Like everybody mm -hmm. has butthole. Everybody poops. Like right. we are all. And we're just animals. Right. Like and we all look different. I um one time I was really really drunk, and there was a girl that I didn't know. She was like three feet from me. She was crying, and she I think it was like seven pounds or something. She was like, I gained seven pounds. I need to get into shape. And was just like, like you could tell she was actually like having like a, like a breakdown over seven pounds. Oh, wow. And I was just shit faced and I, I like to make people feel good. And I told her, I said, girl, why are you worried about getting into shape? Cause you're already a lot of shapes. And like, I was real drunk, but I was like, you need to remember that Sarah. <laughs> and you need to tell people that yeah. forever. So I think that's like my whole philosophy is like, just 
be you and own right. you, like feel good about you because it does, it doesn't matter. Like I'm gonna, my job as a photographer is to make you look good. So basically when it, when it comes to like nudity and boudoir and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm straight off the bat. I'm like, what are you insecure about on yourself? Okay. And if I can't be like, you're ridiculous, your arms are not fat, like they right. are beautiful. If I can't automatically pump the person up, then my entire shooting style I base around like, I'll, then I will post people. I'll be like, tuck your elbow a little bit. Like wow. I'm going to move because if this is what, like if this, if you're uncomfortable seeing this on yourself, you're not going to want to remember it. So yeah. I'm going to try to anyone. minimize yeah. that. Yeah. You'd look at it right away and just be like, Oh, fat arms. Right. Let's exactly. Be the first thing you see. Yeah. Even if like your kids are in it, it's yeah. just like, Oh shit. Right. My arms look fat. Yeah. This is yeah. trash. Right. Yeah. That's a shame. So but. it's, and I think it's to a lot of, it really, it minimizes people's, I don't know, like doubts about themselves kind of when they see real emotion. So it's almost like a, 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 my, my photo style does the work for me, if that makes sense, because they're going to see that moment and they're going to be like, wow, like that's, I don't, you know what? I don't care if my arms look fat. Like I'm just being rough on myself because hmm. that's a beautiful moment kind of thing. Right. So you just have to push through that that wall of right. uh, insecurity yeah. and humility. That's it. That's not easy though. It's that's not. tough. Yep. That's tough, especially in front of yeah, probably most likely a stranger. Most yeah. of the time, I'm sure people just find your stuff yep. and like it. And then you maybe introduce that aspect and it's like, I don't even know you, right. you know? Uh, huh. That'd be, I'd be curious to, 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 to play around with that sometimes just to like see what my brain does. Cause I, I think there is, I talk about this a lot, but like there is something happening to where like we put ourselves in just safe situations and because it's easy and it doesn't, it's not scary. And like, I don't know what the motivation is. Like I, I attribute, like you said, we're all just animals. So anything that like anything that I feel in my head that I don't like, like an emotion about something, I'm like, what is the biological purpose of this? So why, why am I upset about uh, the way I look or why am I upset about this person getting something that right. I don't have? And I, it's just that, that monkey shit. Yep. And yep. like, I, I just, what do you think is the monkey shit that attributes that shame and humility? Cause I don't, I wonder if that's like one of those weird, like actually human right. things that it's yeah. a, maybe a cultural thing. Yeah. Like why we have that shame for our bodies when, did we 10,000 years ago? Right. You know, like yeah. maybe we wore stuff for protection, but not for no. shame. Yeah. Yeah. Of it. We, I actually, uh, my fiance and I went to a festival about seven hours away this past weekend and on the way there, which one was it? Uh, Eau Claire's. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, on the way there, uh, I was just like thinking out loud and I was like, you know what? I really hope dies with our parents gener- generation. And he said, what? I said, you know that like baffled, hard, blank head shake thing that everyone 45 and older does when they see something that doesn't like, I don't want to say like vibe with them because I don't think they even like vibe to an extent. I think it's all just this bullshit like this. Okay. Perfect example. I have armpit hair Okay. because 
I went through, I started shaving when I was in like fourth grade because I was more like I'm Irish and Cherokee Indian predominantly. So I have really like rough, coarse hair. And like I used to shave my arms, like every inch of my body used to pluck my eyebrows down to nothing. Like, but of course had long, beautiful, curly hair because that's what you do when you're a woman. So I, becoming a mother really changed my perspective on that. And I think it, I think it's all just the shit that was preached to the generation above us that they can't let go because like I've had, I've been like attacked on the internet for sharing a picture of my kid and I, and people would be like, it looks like she forgot to shave her arms and share the post on Facebook and stuff. What? Yeah. And it's, it blows my mind because just random people. Yeah. Yeah. People, there were like 228 shares on a photo of my daughter and I, and you could see like just the corner of my armpit and like people being like, she's fucking nasty. Oh my God. She's got a smell like just, and the thing that trips me up about it is like when I see someone doing something, unless it's minimizing someone else's existence, I don't give a shit. Like, you do you, do your thing. Right. Like, you want to have your ass cheeks hanging out? Do it. If you're comfortable, do it. I'm glad for you. Like, be bold, be you, and don't give a shit. But, like, I I have shaved every inch of my body from fourth grade until I was, until I had my daughter. So when I was, like, 20, almost 22. And then I realized, like, why the fuck am I teaching my kid that her comfortability comes second to the patriarchal ideals of what women should look like. Like I would get hives down to my hip bones and have literal splits open in my armpits where like I was going home and putting hydrocortisone cream on and laying with my arms above my head and taking a Benadryl hoping that like the swelling would go down. Oh my God. And I was like, why am I doing this it doesn't matter like I don't care if an old man sees me in Starbucks and says you forgot to shave your armpits because that happened oh yeah oh Oh, yeah yeah I even had um um I had a man point out the fact that he could see my nipples through my shirt and I was like you have nipples you know that right like why don't you have a bra did you say that why don't you shave your armpits yeah what did he say he I just I embarrassed him I started pointing out like all the animals that have nipples that don't cover them I was like cows have nipples milk comes from those oh nice like it just it blows my mind how much people care like when you're happy with I think you just have to be happy with you just come to a point where you're you and the people that love you will love you and the people like our age don't give a shit not not everybody. not necessarily but you know? i feel like it's shifting you, it is but like you gotta you gotta fight for that shift like mm-hmm. that shift is now more recognized right. and it's you're able to find it easier but like there's still a lot like the people that shared your shit there's everyone has a voice now right. and that just because they're we're all connected on the same platforms yeah doesn't mean that they share in that open-mindedness they're they're they have their friends on Facebook or the people they follow or the singers that they like or whoever. And it's, it's just very tunnel vision and like they're not listening to, they'll listen to one news source. And I don't care if it's, you know, they have their Fox news or you even have your MSNBC that like you have people that are so separate that there's no, 
you got to listen to to Rush Limbaugh just to hear. Oh God. Just, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, no, I'm, yeah. <laughs> but you, you, you just got to hear like, yeah. some, like I don't want to, right? but sometimes I'll just do it. And just so I can hear what someone that I don't agree with has to say to where if anything, it'll not change my opinion, but turn the wheels and exercise certain right. parts of my brain that usually aren't yeah. or, uh, or at least let me know what the opposition's saying. Right. If nothing else, right. like there's too much of like, well, you said this, well, how do you know? Yeah. You're just hearing that someone else said that right. someone else said. Right. There's no, like, you're not getting it from the source. Buzzwords. Yeah. You hear a lot of buzzwords exactly. about the quote-unquote opposing side. Right, and that's a problem. Right. My whole childhood was sitting in the back of my grandparents' van listening to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. And, like, you weren't allowed to talk when Rush Limbaugh was talking. No. Like, it was just... <laughs> Papa Rush is on. Yeah. So, like, imagine being... I feel like I've always been this way, like, and I don't want to say it's, like, free-spiritedness or whatever, because that just sounds hokey, but, like, I, I haven't been, like, my family or the people that I was raised around. I had quite a... just completely opposite views on everything. So my whole life, like, I can remember being, like, four... And in church, and an old lady, like, pushing my hand up in the air and being like, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And people are, like, running the aisles and speaking in tongues. And I was just like, can, can we not? Like, right. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, though. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm eating goldfish and playing yeah. tic-tac-toe on the back <laughs> of an offering not? envelope. That's hilarious. Yeah, so, I don't know. I feel like it's this, I understand the whole, like, you need to hear the opposing side. But I'm excited that it's starting to move in a direction where humanity matters more than sides like people can have their network and they can say what they want on their platforms but nine times out of ten nowadays somebody will call them out like they'll be like hey can can you not say shit like that yeah i just worry though that there's the sides are i don't know i kind of disagree i worry that the sides are more entrenched now oh yeah oh no they absolutely are they're like we yeah they're the, the only thing we have in common really is our biology yeah. and, our, and which I think there's a lot of meanings to the word humanity. Right. One of which is our biology too, is I think something greater than the monkey brain. And like, I think it's, it's hard to achieve, achieve the, uh, the actual human parts of ourselves when like no one wants to hear the other side. Right. You know? And like, I think if you did, it would grease up those gears yeah. and like maybe there, there could be some sort of uh, hand holding. Right. You know, and I don't know. I, I think it's tough, but yeah, to yeah. your point about just the, at least the, the, um, the uh, female expectations, at least in the way you look, especially with the armpit thing. Cause I'm not going to lie. Like, and I, I don't, I don't blame myself because it's like, but like, it doesn't bother me, but it will still make me like do like a, Hoop. you're like, Oh, that girl has armpit hair. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll notice it right away to where it will catch me off guard. Right. And, uh, I will think about it. Yeah. And I, I want, I don't want to think about it because it, you're right. It isn't a big deal, but like for me, it is always going to be a deal. Right. Just because like, I can't, I can't get like, I've seen so much of it not right. that way. And yeah. so it's, it's just a, uh, I don't know. I, I like you said. I think in the next generation, like for our kids, it's just in how you raise them. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's what like like my fiance was even like, "Are you serious? Like you're that's really gross." Oh, it bothered him. And too. I was like, 
is it though? Like, I don't, I don't talk about your, no one, literally no one talks about your armpit hair, man. And he's in advertising. He's an art director at an ad agency. Oh wow! And I was like, they just marketed women's razors to start making money from women because men were shaving their face. Like Gillette started it all in a Sears magazine. Like you should understand better than anybody. It's an advertising and marketing campaign. Like to just get more money. Right. So women are these like, have you ever noticed that women's razors commercials are always shaving a bare leg? They're not shaving any hair. That's a good point. Yeah. That is how fucking brainwashed we are to think women are these hairless babies. Like the, huh. the only the only beings that do not have hair are babies yeah, like it's kind of gross once you break it down like that yeah, i'm telling you like yeah. and that's why like when i became a mom i was like i'm sorry but no like i'm not gonna make my daughter think that she has to fit in a box that is femininity like do you worry though for her because yeah, i'm in the same because i have a daughter too and right. like i worry that you want to break these norms but there are gonna there, there might be some that have similar mindsets but a lot of the other girls in her grade are going to play the game right. and who's automatically going to be picked on. I right. Mean, it's just physically something different right away. Right. Like that's, you know, freak different. Yep. Yep. And there's no hope at that point. And then she's the smelly, right. even though she wouldn't stink, right. but just like the smelly, hairy girl. Right. And like, God, you know, yeah. that's just horrible. Yeah. And there's been, I feel like there's been a really big social shift in the last like 10 ish years where we all understand each other. Like I read this really interesting article about how memes like memes are shared constantly and um, they're actually thanking memes for a deeper understanding worldwide of like basic emotion and within different cultures, basic emotion. Hmm. Which like, cause think about it. You see a meme and it's a sentence or two Uh and a photo and whatever the sentence is, it's applicable to the photo. Right. So even if we've seen the same photo, yeah, it's different every time. Right. And that, that hit me really hard cause it was like that just instantaneous sympathy that we feel for things now, like that literally never happened. That has never happened in the history of history. Like, it's just a quicker understanding to the point where, like, now it's growing up in the South. Like, if I had, I always heard from my family, like, you can do whatever you want. Just don't bring a black boy home. Like, yeah, don't don't come home gay or we'll beat the gay out of you. Like actual things people said. Most people like we're moving away from that as a society. And that's a big deal. Like it is a big deal. And to where we can have a gigantic pride parade yeah, downtown. Right. It was, First was, pride was a riot. Yeah, and it, I was reading an article in Nuvo to where the a lot of them had to wear bags on there because they wanted to participate, but they wanted to be as right. anonymous as possible. Right. And that's just horrifying. And now it's supported by gay, straight, whatever in oh, the yeah. street, and just as as spectators. And that's. You're right. That is a good step. Yeah. And it's important. Yeah. I think um, this age of understanding that we're in, 
um, there are just a lot more allies for a lot of things because, like I said, humanity, like I feel like humanity is making a comeback to the point where if someone's shitty, like there will be someone most of the time who's like, hey, like that's not cool. That person that you're shitting on publicly is also a person. Like I think it's if we could all just remember we all have buttholes and we all poop. That's a good point. It's just if you break if you break it down to where yeah, like people forget about our yeah, our that we're animals, like you said, and yeah. I yeah, once you remember, yeah, that's so yeah, God, that's such a good point to like, if you can remember that, like what, why you think the way you do, and why you associate certain things to money or right. greed, and like why is that? Well, because you want to collect or because you want the best mate or like if you can just break things down and just follow that chain back. And it usually, if you break it down far enough, it usually always finds its way back to sex. Right. Always. In what I've recognized to where it's like become into, usually it ends at like competition in some way. And then that's really just based out of sex. Right. And that's, that's, it bothered me at first. It's like, is it really, is that the meaning of life to reproduce? But it's like, yeah, I it guess. Is. I mean, I mean, that's what every every other being of life right. is doing is yeah. reproducing, and so why make it shitty for everyone and everything else that is doing the exact same right. thing? We've we've disassociated ourselves with from the environment or other animals, factory farming, for example. Like you, you dis- disassociate like from our food, right? And like you forget that those things are created by yeah. sex. I don't know. I'm getting off track, but like. No, if I you know just exactly remember what you mean. Right. that why you're here is that at that point, and especially once you have reproduced, to maybe put away your ego, right? Because you've done your job. Like yeah. we have done our jobs. We have created the we future. We have created, and it's like <laughs> now I need to create, you know, yeah. and like not worry about being macho right. because I have found a mate, right. you know, and like I have spawned my my seed and you know it's it's very bizarre yeah but i think if like i said if you can break it down to that level everything gets kind of washed away yeah it's like what why are we doing that absolutely there's so as a photographer a lot i um i'll photograph people that will say like boudoir for example people are like i hate myself naked like i hate the way my body looks and i always tell people like just give me an hour and I'll talk to you, and we'll hang out, and we'll get to know each other, and I promise you, you'll like what you see, and it's, I think there's a real realness in just being a person with other people, if that makes sense. Like, I I have a lot of clients um, who have children on the spectrum, so, um, for example, one of my friends, like, they never have successful photos taken because her little boy is autistic. And now I'm getting more and more clients that are like, you got that little boy to look at the camera. How'd you do that? It's like, I didn't treat him like he was autistic. I I treated him like he had a butthole and he poops. Yeah. Like it wasn't squeaking a a dog toy to try and get their attention. Yeah. You treat people like people, no matter what they are, no matter what they look like, they're people. And we all feel shit and we all, we are exactly the same. Every single one of us. Yeah, so that's a, that's a perfect point. And so just to, as we're nearing the end here, uh, 
I just briefly wanted to talk about Instagram. Oh, just, just, <laughs> I, I, we touched on it earlier about social media, but just in, uh, since that is a platform, not just of word, but of image. Right. I just was just real quick. I was just curious on like how, how as a photographer you see that world. Cause there is a lot of, a lot of beauty, but there is a lot of, uh, cliche yes. and a lot of, um, uh, forgery Mm -hmm. and a lot of uh just kind of campy kitschy like what what do you what's your take on that to where people are praying to god they find the right filter right hudson valencia you know whatever it is (laughs) to try and make it like worthy right um so i'm really big on i i heard another lady talk about it and she was like i'm so thankful we have instagram now because everyone has the potential to create like a lasting image, which really hit me. And later, later in the article or whatever she said, and this is my children's baby book. Like this is, it's an actual tangible moment that at that moment you type up, like what they're doing is your caption. So I think there's a lot of, it's just authenticity over and over again. The same thing with how people project outwardly because they want to fit into an image. It's the same thing we do every day in our lives. Like, When you're comfortable with yourself, you will post real life shit. Mm -hmm. And when you're not, you will go to the same wall that everyone goes to and pose the same way in front of it and put lyrics to a fucking Drake song. (laughs) Right. You will. Yeah. Over and over and over again. And you'll put sunglasses on and like tilt your shoulders and your hips and hug your friend and mm. do that weird lean thing. Yeah, like God, the lean, the lean, the lean or is like nonsense. the weird, like arm. Yep. Like drag or it looks like, like a, a gorilla yep. orangutan yep. arm. It's like, what is that? What What's the doing? purpose of that? Yep. Yeah. And that just caught on. So they, somebody did it and it worked. Yep. And I, yeah, that just, you just have to like yourself. Right. And that's just why. Throw your arm around your buddy. And yeah. Do something. That's what I always tell my biggest, when I take pic- people's pictures, like from the get go, I say like, I'm not going to pose you one, just hang out with me, like hang out with each other. And if they get stiff and posy, like even when people on the street will be like, Hey, can you take my picture? And I'm like, yeah. First thing I say is pretend you like each other because then people are going to like look at each other and they're going to laugh. Right. Cause they're going to be, they're going to be. And that's the moment yeah, right there. That's it. Huh. And I feel like that's what, it's just, it's all the same thing. Just be comfortable with yourself. Huh. Like yourself. Very cool. You'll project it. I just, the, like, I was trying to think of the most stereotypical cliche, like photographer wannabe pictures that I've seen. And like, there's like the, the rocking port or rocking chair on the oh, dusty yeah. porch yep. with that's in like black and white. And mm-hmm. it's like. Ah, bro. Railroad tracks. Yeah, railroad tracks. On a suitcase. Yeah. On a suitcase or with like a guitar, guitar next to you. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yep. And like, I've been that guy. <laughs> I'm Like, I've done it. And like, looking back, it's just like, ugh. And I, I at that time, that was before Instagram. Right. So I didn't know every other douchebag <laughs> right. was trying to do the same thing. Yeah. But like, now you, it's easier to see, hopefully because everyone can see it. Right. That that uh, cliche image, whatever it is pertaining to, usually... Right. Um, senior pictures, mm-hmm. you know, where you're you're leaning, holding your oh my god, the, your the sport coat, crossed arms with one foot up against the brick wall. Oh my god, lean back on yeah. every single one. They had me pose in like this barn facade <sighs> with my guitar and like, yeah. And at the time, you know, I was cool with it, but right. like now I'm just I, 
Right. Like, it wouldn't have been so nice to have a photographer who was like, hey, what do you like to do? Right. Let's go. Yeah, let's go do it. Not in this like weird cubicle room (laughs) of like different shit. Yeah. Yeah. So bizarre. Right. But all right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this up. So are you still down to, Take maybe some shots. Do yeah, some, in absolutely. A little session. Okay, we are cool. popping him in a milk bath, okay, ladies yeah. and so gents. She's going she's gonna to do a, a little milk bath photo session with me. So real quick, where can people find your work or oh, get okay. your contact information or anything like that? So I will lay everything out. You can go to facebook.com slash Kairos Indy, K-A-I-R-O-S-N-D-I-N-D-Y. You can go to kairosindy.tumblr.com to see my work really streamlined. I pick all my favorites and post them there, even things that I'm not allowed to post on Facebook because nipples are terrible and people report them and they get taken down. (laughs) Or you can find me on, if you want to see like who I actually am along with my work, you can go to at extra olive please on Instagram. And yeah. So if you want to see the pictures she's about to post Mm -hmm. or take of me uh, doing this incredible milk bath session, go to my Instagram at Joe underscore Clady and check that out here uh, after I post this episode. So Sarah, like I do for all the other guests on this episode. So in like two to five ish words, what would you, this is your episode. So what would you name it? Everyone has a butthole. I was hoping you were going to say that. I was hoping you were going to say that. All right. So this is Everyone Has a Butthole with Sarah Johnson. Uh, Again, check us both out on Instagram. Check out her work on Facebook and Tumblr. Uh, Again, we got some good guests coming this week. I'm going to have a live from Canada uh, two-part episode coming up. So be sure and tune in for that. So thanks, everybody, and I'll see you next week. Bye.